welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Punch It, episode 78. My name is Charlene Schmidt. I'm back, and Tristan is off. So guess who I have with me today? Nepotism at its finest, Patrick Schmidt. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I feel like a incredibly poor substitute for Tristan, but I will do my best to do my job today. <laughs> I think you'll do okay. This is not your first rodeo on Punch It by any means. When Tristan has had to take a leave of absence, you have been kind enough to step in. And what we have typically done is we have discussed topics that we know Tristan does not like. So today we're going to tackle another one that I know I'll never get Tristan to talk about in front of the mic. And that is your favorite show, right? BoJack Horseman. It's definitely my favorite show right now. It might be my favorite show of all time. Okay, those are some high stakes right there. And we're going to go into a lot of the reasons why this is one of you, at least your favorite shows uh, toward the top of all time. And of course, since this is a writing podcast, the writing has a lot to do with it. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Well, and for what it's worth, when we've had me on the show before... We've discussed Beavis and Butthead, which is another animated series, and I think there's a lot of freedom that comes with animation, but we'll get into all that fun stuff. But for some reason, not been on Tristan's list. I think he tried it. Didn't work for him. And I I will say right from the start, this is not a show for everyone. Uh, It's incredibly silly and punny, but also very dark. And I think it's the combination of those two things that is really, really intriguing to me. Yes, that is for sure. I guess the category that you call it is dark comedy. You can, in the same episode, laugh out loud, just falling off your chair, and then have a moment of, oh my god, they went there? In shock, in horror, and awe. And it's not awkward. You know, a lot of shows, I think, struggle to have a balance between really funny and really serious, talking about really dramatic deep, heavy topics, this show does it absolutely seamlessly. And one of the reasons why I like it so much is that balance between surreal, which you can do in animation a lot easier than you can do in a live action show. So that surreal, ridiculous, over-the-top kind of stuff versus how dark and deep and real it gets, which I think is also at times hard to do in, in a live action show because it's tied to real actors and real people and when it's animated you have the uh, that sort of that disconnect between the actors who are playing the roles and the the voices that you hear behind the the art so I think it gives this show a lot of freedom to go places other shows won't go and that's what I like a lot about it yeah I think and we've talked about this before the two of us just how much animation can provide that disconnect and That is, I think, something that is appealing to both of us as regular TV watchers is it can go places that a live action TV drama can in a different way from that. The exaggeration is, I think, a part of what makes it so good. You're right. The exaggeration is what makes it so much fun because it's so 
zany and wacky at the same time as being incredibly deep. And by the way, this is where we start getting into spoilers. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we are going to go into spoiler territory. So if you have not watched this show, do it. Yes, do it. Watch the show by all means, then come back to this. But I think actually before maybe we do that, we do a little bit more on just why you should watch this show. I don't know that there's another show out there that tackles as many controversial topics in as short of a time, makes you care about flawed characters, makes you cared about, care about almost anti-heroes, makes you care about the people in this world in the same way that, that I've seen any other show do. I think there's, there's really only a couple shows that even come close to me in my personal TV history that even are anywhere near it. Maybe The Office maybe ER back in the day. That's about as close as any show has come. And I think BoJack Horseman makes me care about more characters. There isn't a single character I don't care about, even though they're flawed and even though they do stupid things and even though they do things that are mean and I definitely wouldn't want to hang out with a lot of these people. If they were real life people, I wouldn't want to be around them, but I like watching their exploits on TV. Well, and what appeals to me is not just all of what you said, but along to that is the realism. Yes, these are flawed characters. They strike me as very real. We all know somebody like any of these characters. There's qualities we can identify with, either within ourselves or people that we know. And so if all of that doesn't entice you, you might as well turn this thing off before we get into the spoiler territory. But as we get into this more and more, we're going to talk about the characters and the things they do. And so here we go. Spoiler alert. Now, BoJack Horseman is a Netflix show. And I also think that the freedom with that kind of a thing also lends itself to going to these darker territories. One thing that I would love to know that I tried to research and did not find very much information about is how much planning has gone into this show. Did the creators, have they written out this entire universe with every character profile beforehand? How far do they plan season arcs? If I find that information, I'll follow up online on Twitter or what have you. But this show it has such a great attention to detail with all of its characters, with every little nuance of storytelling. Also with little, little things, you can go back and rewatch and see something new that you didn't notice the first time around. It's incredibly good craftsmanship in terms of the writing as far as the attention to detail goes. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that's a throwaway. There's not a single throwaway episode. There's not a single throwaway arc. There's not a single throwaway line. There's not a single throwaway background animation. Everything is there with purpose. And that is one of the things that really intrigues me about the entire show. And it comes back to... The first time Bojack Horseman meets Herb Kazaz, and the first words that Bojack says to Herb are, get cancer, jerkwad. What has happened to Herb? He ends up with, in the parlance of our times, he gets uh, butt cancer. You know? Right, a la Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, yeah, ass cancer. And so the idea that that one line, those three words, get cancer, jerkwad, and what happens? He gets cancer really I think is interesting because it's it's a weird, funny, jerky line. And then all of a sudden it becomes, 
after a rewatch and you realize, oh, this was the first thing he ever said to his friend. His friend got cancer and his friend died from this cancer. It was all set up from three words that were the first three words that they said to each other. Right. So you have to be paying attention a lot. Otherwise, you're going to miss little things like that for sure. Now, stop me if I'm wrong, but when did that whole thing happen? Was that first season entirely or was it a part of first season and second season? We'll have to double check on this. I think it was a little bit season one, a little bit season two. Uh, I think there was a little bit of crossover with that, but it was definitely part of BoJack's backstory, which was season one. And then that whole story arc with the cancer was season one. I'll have to double check, but there was a, a lot of that that went into that whole arc that I thought was really kind of cool. So what I'm getting at is I'm sure they planned through the whole season what sort of themes they want to go through, what sort of arcs the characters are going through. But if they're doing this between seasons, it was done that intentionally. And a lot of shows just don't do that. Yeah, a lot of shows, it's either once it's done with the episode, it's gone. Or once it's done with the season, it's gone. Or once it's done with the scene, it's gone. And I think... One of the things that I, I read an interview from Raphael Bob Waxberg, who helped create the show. It's basically his, he's the showrunner. It's, it's his baby. He talked about how if a character punches a hole in a wall in one episode, that hole in the wall will be there for multiple episodes until you actually see it get fixed. And right. this is where it gets back to, you think about The Office, where Andy punches the hole in the wall. You never see that get fixed. All of a sudden, it's just fixed. And... With BoJack Horseman, the D stays off the Hollywood sign forever. <laughs> right, right. Hollywood becomes a very important part of the show. And it's it's not accidental. That's what I keep coming back to is everything's planned. And sometimes they feel like throwaway jokes. Like I, I remember, and I think it was the beginning of season three, up on the wall is a Hamilton poster. And Hamilton, ham, is a pig. And there's so many of those little throwaway things in the background. Or we were just watching at the end of season two, Princess Carolyn's at a coffee shop and she's drinking milk. And there's like five cartons of milk right next to her. And then behind her, you see the barista cross off the cafe latte option because they have no more, no more milk in the coffee shop. Princess Carolyn drank it all. And for the record, if you do not know and you're still somehow listening, Princess Carolyn is a cat drinking milk. Ha ha. Yeah, but it's all those kinds of little, they all seem like little things until they're big things. And isn't that life, right? It's all little things until they become big things. The little signs in your life about it heading in a certain direction, you don't know the little signs until you see them in retrospect. And that's part of why I like BoJack Horseman so much is its rewatchability. And you can go back and say, oh my gosh, I saw that before, but I didn't realize its significance until after having watched the entire series. And so you can go back and rewatch it and catch all those little things you missed uh, and then rewatch it again and catch even more because there's so much richness to the show. And that's what I keep coming back to is just how rich the world is and how rich of a place it is and how developed what you were just talking about, how developed the world is and how developed the characters are in it, like they've got a 200-page binder on every single character. Uh, and now they're just waiting to release <laughs> yeah. little details on each character throughout each season. 
And then, assuming they've even done that much work, and that's a lot of freaking work, but then they actually remember all that they said and manage to put it into the show, which is amazing. I mean, the rewatch factor, if you get into this show, you will watch it again and again, and you will see new things, and and you'll just be astounded. Oh my gosh, they did that? You'll be blown away. Another thing that I really like about this show is that And we've touched on it a little bit already, but there are no perfect characters. Everyone is flawed. And again, isn't that life? We're all flawed in some way. We're all trying to do our best. And sometimes we do things that don't represent the best of who we are. And we all have to deal with those those consequences. And the characters in the show have to deal with those consequences, which I think is it gives it a degree of realism that makes it very, very relatable and it goes places that maybe you don't want to go until you've been taken there. Right. That's a really good point is this show does not shy away from really uncomfortable things. Topics like abortion, miscarriage, the ups and downs of marriage and relationship problems and doing horrible things to other people and especially amongst the main characters knowing that they're doing horrible things and knowing that there's going to be consequences, just what are they? And we skipped over two big ones in all that. Two big topics that this show deals with are depression and addiction. And the whole idea that this show deals with depression and addiction, I think in very straightforward ways and very upfront ways that you're not going to see in any other show on television, maybe ever. And Again, one of the things that that I turn back to all the time in this show is how well they handle big topics like that. I love how honest it is. And it's clear that the writers have done their homework. They've either been through this, have been around people who have been through this. They know what they're doing. It's not the uh, Pollyanna type of situation where, oh, no, this is a problem and you need to fix it and you need to work on it. And it's no people delving deep and feeling horrible about themselves and sabotaging themselves and hampering their own ability to overcome the things that they know are, uh, are, are troubling them and causing them problems in their life. I, I really appreciate that because I feel like that's what the cycle really is. And that it's not just in the main character of Bojack either. It's in a lot of the characters dealing with it in their own way. And a lot of the time the show really instead of going for a happy ending or even a kind of a halfway ending they go for this is the worst possible thing that could happen and they just dive into the deep end with the worst possible thing that could happen it happens and it's like okay how are you going to deal with this how are you going to make this better and how are you going to get past this and a lot of time they never get past it and it becomes yet another thing weighing on their conscience weighing on their mind weighing on their ability to function in the day which is again uh, i keep coming back to this it's it's real and it's in a nice juxtaposition, too, to the show Horsin' Around, which was Bojack's, I guess, his heyday of his career up to, oh, about the point when he gets to be Secretariat. He, he's a washed-up has-been actor at the start of the show. That was his crowning achievement. And, of course, it was a very typical, I would say, like later 80s sitcom where in half an hour you have a problem it gets resolved and everybody goes aww and then it's done and this show is the antithesis of that 
And I think it's the idea that Bojack's life is the antithesis of what he played on screen that makes it so appealing. And that's another thing, if we go a step beyond that, to the actual show of Bojack Horseman itself. Bojack has a lot of silly things happen in this world. I mean, one of the things you need to know about this show, if you've never seen it, is that it brings animals in to this world as if they are humans. You know, Bojack Horseman is obviously a horse. Princess Carolyn is a cat. Mr. Peanut Butter is a golden retriever. But then you also have humans like Diane and Todd. And the interactions between them can get really silly because it's human versus animal, but it's also, it frees them up to be almost more honest with themselves and honest with each other. Because all of a sudden when it's, a woman married to a golden retriever, the things they go through are almost more universal and makes it more relatable than it would be to have two humans together. And again, that's the beauty of animation, letting the exaggeration do the work. In a way, I think, I mean, with Punch It being a mostly Star Trek podcast, sci-fi does the same thing with aliens. Animation, we're doing it here with animals to make some social commentary and tackle really difficult issues. Imagine that. That is a big part of why I like the show. (laughs) Another thing that we need to touch on, too, is this idea that the show itself isn't just depression and addiction and miscarriages and abortion and all those kinds of heavy issues. Every single episode has those silly moments, the puns. Uh, Every single episode has some wacky Todd adventure that is completely surreal and often makes no sense whatsoever, but they're able to do that because they go to the heights of silliness and wackiness and balance that out with the lows of the deepest parts of your soul. And if it was only the lows of the deepest parts of your soul, it would be a very depressing show to watch. Um, It'd be very hard, you know, it'd be very hard to watch. It might be heartrending, but it would be more like Handmaid's Tale animated. And that's... No, (laughs) no. And Handmaid's Tale is a tough show to watch. I mean, it's heartrending and difficult to watch, but we watch it because it's so full of drama. BoJack Horseman could be that, could be very, very similar to that, could be very, very dark, but it balances that out with weird, wacky, silly things that happen and that are certainly episodic in nature, but provide that counterbalance, that counterweight against having a show that only deals with the difficult things in life. And that brings a certain level of watchability to it. Absolutely. I think I said at the top of the show, it deals with these extremes seamlessly. You never feel like it's imbalanced. Like you have to mentally shift gears going from really deep, dark, dramatic moments to, oh, ha, 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 that was hilarious. That's so funny. That's going to be the next uh, gif I send some friend of mine. How they do this, that's what I really want to know. I mean, it is just superior writing their ability to do this and I'm still thinking about how like I'm trying to crack how they make this work so well and I think a big part of what makes the show go is the character of Bojack Horseman himself we touched on it a little bit already but he was this sitcom star in the 80s and early 90s and is pretty much living off the residuals of that and hasn't worked really in 20-25 years and doesn't maybe know how to work. 
therefore feels unfulfilled, therefore feels depressed, therefore has a lot of time to fill in his life, therefore fills it with addiction, and this, the addiction cycle begins and continues for, oh gosh, the better part of two decades for him. And beyond that, though, as we learn, as we watch the show, it's not like he's lazy. It's not like he is a complete imbecile. He has been set up for failure in many ways by his upbringing, his life, who he was as a child, who his parents were, where he came from. That's the entire arc of season four, is learning about that inherited trauma and learning about how his family and his DNA and his upbringing made him who he is today. And that's where you get into an episode that begins with Bojack's voiceover saying, you stupid piece of shit. (laughs) Right. One of my favorite moments in season four. But that brings up a really important thing is we like start the show with Bojack knowing he's got addiction issues. He will often sabotage his opportunities for a gig because he gets too drunk. He parties instead of taking something seriously because to him, it's it's not what he's really looking for. He has the bar so set up so high for himself. And for him, that was secretariat. That anything less than that, it's just like, he can't even try the effort. You know what I mean? So when he does get secretariat, though, and when he does achieve something, it's never enough. And he still sabotages. It's like he he has been trained to not be happy. And a lot of it does come from just coming from this family where his mother, especially, as we learn in season four, she herself had a really unhappy upbringing and she says I think quite directly to Bojack look this is just in your DNA this is how you're built we heard that a long time before we learned her backstory but once you do learn what she went through suddenly a lot of what Bojack says and does and how he feels about himself makes a lot more sense if that makes any sense well and when you look at how Bojack I mean he sabotages his career as you talked about, but he also sabotages his relationships. He is in a relationship with his agent, makes her his girlfriend, and then dumps her with Princess Carolyn. He gets in a good friendship with Diane as his ghostwriter and then screws that up by thinking it's more than a friendship. He has several other relationships that he has been in and ruined because that's what he does. He ruins relationships because... He was taught how to ruin relationships. He was never taught how to how to foster a relationship, how to foster a friendship, how to foster intimacy with somebody else. And so it's no wonder that he doesn't know how to do it. But then that leads to the frustration of, why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? And then that leads to self-loathing. And okay, we, we know how the cycle goes. <laughs> right. And it creates good friction with a lot of the other characters. Like another one of my favorite moments is when I guess it's his best friend. Uh, you would call Todd his best friend. The closest thing he's got to a best friend is when Todd, his living kind of roommate, or I mean, you know, he's sort of like a Cato Kalen. He's just some house guest who crashes on the couch of Bojack's house because he has nowhere else to go. He starts getting really fed up with Bojack's patterns and he knows what's going on. Todd sees it. And he has a moment of confrontation with Bojack where he says to Bojack, you have to do better. You can't just do horrible things and then say, oh, that's 
that's just Bojack. No, 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 no. You're very conscious of what is going on here. You need to correct. Now, conversely, I want to bring up Diane for a second because Diane also has a lot of relationship problems, but they're not in the same style as Bojack. Bojack sabotages intentionally. That's his pattern. I think Diane doesn't know how to have a good relationship. She's kind of lost. And I think, again, a lot of that is in her upbringing a little bit. I know that sounds so Freudian, but a lot of what we learn in childhood does come back to haunt us. And so when we learn about where Diane came from, like she came to Los Angeles with the goal in mind of becoming a really good, well-respected and admired writer. She left her family in Boston where a lot of like her siblings did not go to college. They just sit at the TV and watch old sports games. That's their life. And that's what they're comfortable with. And that's what they care about. And there's some resentment from them about the fact that Diane left as if what they have is not good enough and she's better than they are. And we see right at the end of season four too, and this is one of the intriguing things about season five is we see Diane's marriage be on the rocks a little bit. We see her struggle with that. And it's not like it's been rosy for four seasons. It's always been a little bit of a struggle. But it is interesting to think about where is that going to go in season five when, like you said, what she has isn't enough. She wants more than what she's got. And then it's the old dog in the bone thing where the dog looks at the reflection in the water and says, okay, I've got a bone in my mouth, but if I drop this bone and go after the bone that's reflected in the water, I get two bones. And then you drop the bone and the dog ends up with zero bones. And that's where I think Diane is in a lot of places in her life where it's like she thinks that she maybe deserves more or can get more with a little more work, and she goes after what she thinks she deserves and then loses everything else, including what she had in that process. Yeah, I think when opportunities are presented to her, she feels like if she takes it, she's selling herself short. She wants to do bigger things, better things, more meaningful things. These characters are always striving to find meaning in some way. For Bojack, it's what is that grand legacy achievement that's going to top horsing around? For Diane, I don't even think she really knows for sure. And in terms of her marriage, she's married to a really wonderful guy who I think they love each other very much. But I do question just how compatible they are and how much this marriage will work in the long term. And in fact, if I'm making any predictions about the next season... We've seen them on the rocks a lot. Are they going to finally address this? Is it going to end? I would not be surprised, not in the least. And that's, again, getting back to what makes this show so good, is that nothing is ever certain. Nothing is certain. Everything is up for grabs. Every relationship, every marriage, every job opportunity could be gone in an instant. And I think that sort of dance, that dance of of danger, of insecurity, is where most of us live our lives. And that's where most of us, you know, spend our day-to-day trying to get through what faces us at that moment and makes it universal. You can have a golden retriever married to a Vietnamese woman, and you can see yourself in that, which is kind of weird. Yes, but <laughs> it really does happen. And also the there's 
there's always a little something for everybody in each of these characters. Like, for instance, Princess Carolyn, typical workaholic, does not know what life is outside of her work and yet yearns for a family. She wants a husband. She wants kids. And she's been kind of drifting from one bad relationship to another that she knows is not going to work because in the meantime, she still has her career. And when she does find the one, the guy that might actually be able to, she might be able to stick around with and make things happen, more traumatic things do happen. That's where the miscarriages come in. It's where things maybe get shaken up at work. We just can't have hunky-dory nice things all the time. And while I don't really identify with the workaholic aspect of Princess Carolyn, I do totally relate to the fact that she is striving for some sort of work-family balance, which I think it's kind of a hot-button issue for a lot of us because we want careers, we want families, and you and I, we prioritize each other above anything else. Despite the fact that we have jobs, we have hobbies, I, I do the podcast, all of those things, but I totally get that aspect of things just because of trying to do that juggling act in my own life. And one of the scenes in BoJack Horseman that's really kind of scary and, and really spoke to me was when Princess Carolyn turned 40 and the only one to say happy birthday was her phone. And her reply is, thanks, phone. As she sits alone thinking about where her life has taken her and what she's doing with it, sitting alone on her 40th birthday talking to her phone who has just wished her a happy birthday. Okay, wait a second. Why are you relating to that? I mean, I'm not relating to it, but it's one of those things where it's like, we all have that fear, right? We all have that fear of, okay, wow, this could be me. This could be something that ends up happening in my life, and we don't want it to turn out that way. What this show, I think, does really, really well is it taps into all those moments of, oh my gosh. And it just makes you sit back and say, wow, this person is living this life this way, and how scary that might be and how how much we don't want to end up there which is kind of a window into your own soul about what you want out of your own life that's a really good point okay i see where you're going with that now i'm like i'm thinking are are you feeling lonely wait a second we need to talk off mic here no 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 okay okay just checking just checking but for somebody maybe who does fear being alone does not want to be alone That is bringing up a super scary topic that you said, maybe they don't want to really think too much about it, but as reflective as these characters are amongst themselves, boy, is it going to make you think too about your life. Absolutely. And you brought up a key word there, and I'm going to jump right on it, and that word is reflective. The amount of reflection in the show, and we talked about it already a little bit, but when we talked about the rewatchability, about how many things come back in this show. They, they're they brought up once, you forget about them, and then they come back. Isn't that kind of what we do in our own lives where it's we kind of say, oh, this thing happened, then we reflect on it, and it changes our behavior. You know, We say, oh my gosh, okay, I handled it this way. I don't want to have that happen again. Let's change it up next time. Let's change the way I handle this. And we actually see that in, in the show a little bit. They try to handle things in different ways, and yet they come back to what's familiar, what they've done before, who they are at their very core always comes through for good or for sometimes not so good. Uh, And there's a lot of appeal to that kind of storytelling. And again, one of the reasons why I love it. Yeah. Oh, I think you're absolutely right when you say that as people, we fall into these patterns. 
we do tend to do a lot of the same things in similar situations. And the trouble, the difficulty is in recognizing the pattern, recognizing a situation coming up as it happens and saying, I'm going to do it differently this time because I want a different outcome. And watching these characters try that and either succeed or fail or somewhere in between really is, it's kind of a little bit of a cautionary tale in a way. This show lets its characters fail and lets them fail repeatedly and lets that failure compound on itself and lead to more failures. And the show horsing around was the complete opposite of that. Everything was a success every time. And too many shows are like that. Everything turns out fine in the end every time. And even though there might be arcs or patterns, you know everything's going to be okay in the end. In BoJack Horseman, you don't. You don't know that everything's going to be okay in the end. Things might be worse. Things might be awful. There may end up being characters who die. We haven't even touched on the whole Sarah Lynn arc of oh, this man. of this series where, spoiler alert, Sarah Lynn ends up dead. And too many shows are afraid of that. And I like a show that kind of takes life by the horns and addresses the things that actually happen in life and does so in a way that's relatable and interesting and then intersperses that with clown dentists. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. I think it's the difference between the sitcom life, and, and yes, a lot of TV does this. So they want the idealized, perfect life. And we do this ourselves with what we put on social media. We always put the good things on there, the highlights. We want the perfect photo. We want it just toned so perfectly with the best lighting and all that. Okay, but you know what? We learn a whole lot more from our failures than we ever do from our successes. And I think it's important to address that because we value success so highly in our culture that we're fooling ourselves with those types of things, with the Pollyanna sitcoms, with uh, our Instagram feeds or what have you. I mean, it's just showing the smallest part of what life really is. And then Bojack uh, just says, no, 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 and tears it all down. And we've talked a lot now about how we appreciate that so much. So I'll stop. All right. Well, I know that you and I could be talking about BoJack Horseman for a lot longer, but we are trying to keep the show to our regular time limit. So before we wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share about your favorite show? Sure. I think one of the big takeaways that when I try to sell people on this show, I tell them they do a really, really, really nice job of mixing the real with the surreal, where you have these deep, dark moments, but you also have this ridiculous world and ridiculous characters doing ridiculous things. And it's that interplay that really creates dark comedy. You know, you have the darkness, but you also have the comedy. And I really like the way that this show puts those two things together in a world that at its surface level seems so far gone from our own with the animals and the wackiness and the weird things that happen but is probably closer to the world that we actually live in than most sitcoms actually are. That's a pretty good summation. I like that a lot. And we didn't even really touch a whole lot on the weird, whimsical adventures that Todd goes on. We could, this is by no means comprehensive whatsoever. We could easily go back for Bojack Part 2, Bojack Part 3, and so on. But for today, this will have to do. Patrick, if anybody wants to talk to you about Bojack Horseman online, where can they do that? 
Well, I'm on Twitter at P. Schmidt. That's Schmidt with an E. And where can they find you? They can find me at Oh the Profanity. And of course, they can always find me here on Punch It and on The Nerd Party. If you want to follow The Nerd Party online, go to Join Nerd Party on Twitter or on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Nerd Party same as on Instagram. If you want to send us a message, please feel free to do that. You go to thenerdparty.com, contact, select punch down from the drop down menu, and that will send an email to me and Tristan. Patrick, thank you again for joining me for today. I, I appreciate it while Tristan is out. Uh, I think he's traveling and celebrating his birthday. So happy birthday to him. And next week he will be back though. And you know that we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.